You know, as we come to 2022 and we think about all that God has for us, I assume your life is a lot like mine in terms of as you think about what might come to 2022. You know, we are hopeful of different promises and dreams and things that might happen and um, all kinds of different thoughts in our heads. Some of you are thinking, man, I'm going to save a little bit more money this year. I'm going to exercise a little bit more. I'm going to eat a little bit better. I'm going to watch a little bit less Netflix. I'm going to um, buy a house for the first time in my life. I'm hoping to go on vacation sometime this year. Some of you think, man, this year is the year I'm going to propose to my girlfriend, or this is the year that we hope to have kids, or you, you just go on and on about all the different things that people, as we look into a new year, start going, man, like, I hope this is what happens, and, and I think uh, that this is something that could happen. And there's so many of those things to look forward to, And all of those things, I think at least many of those things, they're really, really good. But in the midst of it all, whether you're successful in those goals or you're unsuccessful in those goals, there's two things that I really felt I wanted to specifically share with you this morning. The first one is this. God is working in 2022. He's not going to leave his throne in 2022. Moving into 2022, he's going to continue to accomplish his purposes. He is going to continue to move his kingdom forward. And ultimately, he is behind the trajectory of the year to come. And frankly, every single year after 2022. Amen? Like that should just be an encouragement to all of us. No matter what happens, he is still upon the throne. And January 1st means very little to him. Well, you just think about eternity, and January 1st, 2022 means very little to him. He is going to continue to move forward, and good, bad, whatever comes, we can be reminded of our rock and our anchor who goes beyond all of these years. That's the most important thing, and so regardless of everything that is coming on, this year, as we transition, is one year closer to his full, complete, and total, eternal reign coming to fruition. And church, we're called to participate in that and to look forward to that and long for that. And so as that is part of the reality and that is part of the world in which we live, I pray that on the top of your list for 2022, among all those other good things, is to continue to press forward, to continue to strive, to continue to seek his kingdom first, to continue to grow in godliness so that we can be part of what he is doing and is going to do this next year. And what he is continuing to do since the beginning of the foundations of this world. The second thing is going to be birthed out of that realization. So it has to start in the fact that he is king over all things, and he is working in this, and he has called us to participate in his work. But the second thing is a very specific challenge that we can find in our text for this morning, which is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. And if you would, please stand with me out of respect for God's word, and our elder, um, Gary Stamps, is going to come and read for us out of God's word, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. Gary, I'll pass that off to you. Thanks. God's word from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, 
and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Amen. Church, hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, invite your spirit to be with us this morning. And I even say that, and the reality of it is we don't need to invite your spirit anywhere. He goes where he wants, and he does what he wants. And I think that's the heart, is we pray that you would do what you want with us through your spirit in us this morning, that you would challenge us where we need to be challenged and convict where we need to be convicted, encourage where we need to be encouraged. Lord, have your way with us. I just ask, Lord, that this morning as we enter into 2022, that you would uh, just challenge our hearts in a unique way to pursue your kingdom and to pursue you. So, Father, just pray that your spirit would work. And we just humble ourselves to him and to his work in our lives this morning. I just ask these things in your name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. You know, it's interesting. We think about words and we understand even as people that words can be pretty powerful things, can't they? I mean, most of us have understood at some point in our lives that words can be some of the most damaging things to ourselves, to our own hearts and our own minds. Like, like if you've ever felt that kind of a word come to you that just cuts you deep and it lasts with you forever, whether that's a word that comes from a parent or a friend or something of that nature, words can heal wounds uh, 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 please forgive me and I love you. And those types of things can heal wounds. They can fix and bind up uh, those things that happen in our lives. They can stir us. They can change the trajectory of history, can't they? Like a simple word or declaration can literally move the way a country goes or a people goes or even a congregation goes. And so just imagine and think about the fact that if our words can do that kind of damage, and the scripture calls them like a, like a spark that can light a whole forest upon fire, right? And if our words can do those kinds of things, what can the word of the living God do? Like how much more can the, living, the word of the living God affect and engage our own lives? I, I think it can do tremendous amount of things. And, and I think oftentimes we sell it too short in our lives. And in this text, it's interesting that the author of Hebrews, he gives us a glimpse into the power of God's word, but he does so after giving a very specific challenge. And the very specific challenge that he gives is this. He says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. And the rest he's talking about, and he talks about Joshua beforehand, and and he's talking about the rest from our own works, the rest from our own efforts in life, that we need to enter into the reality that God is the one doing these works. And he says, I want you to enter into this rest. And then he goes on and speaks of the power of God's word. And I want to get to that, but I want to start our time with this exhortation for us all, which is this, to strive to enter into his rest. I'll get to how the word plays into that in just a few minutes, but we need to start with the command here in Hebrews chapter 4. God's final and complete rest is not something we experience yet, is it? Like we enter into his rest in many ways right now, right in this moment, as we begin to trust in him, but we still long for that rest to come fully and be finalized at some point. And we all know that. We recognize we're not perfect 
We recognize that we still have struggles and we challenge and, and there's a battle that rages in our own lives and in the world in which we live. And so we see that while on one hand we do have rest, on the other hand, we're waiting for rest to come. And so we're to be striving to continually grow more and more restful in God as we wait for that final rest to come. Being a believer is a strenuous and disciplined thing that it requires endurance, striving, running, and pressing forward. Like we can't just go about in this world and expect the world to not press back on us as believers of Jesus Christ. Like we must press forward towards God. And the people of God, in this, this kind of idea and what the author of Hebrews talks about, what he, he pushes back to this idea of the people of God entering into their rest. And so think of the Old Testament. You may not know much about the Old Testament, but what happened was the people of Israel were in Egypt and they were enslaved in Egypt. And God promised to give them a land. And the whole idea was that as they entered into this land that they would find rest from their slavery and from the wilderness as they wandered in that wilderness and that they would enter into that rest. And that was the promise that they had. And if you know the Old Testament, you know the Scriptures, what they happened is as they entered into that land, there was an element of rest that came, but there was also an element of difficulty that came. As Joshua began to lead them into that space, and as Joshua was leading them into this place, he wasn't leading them into a place of just relaxation, a place of just spectating. He was leading them into a place of courageously, by faith in God and in his promises, move forward through the promised land. That's what he was calling them to. And so while rest isn't here for us fully, it is something that we can find and it's something we can grow in more and more. And even if you think of the, old, the people in the Old Testament, as they would slowly move through the land, there was more rest that was given to the people. And so for the author of Hebrews, God's word seems to be a path to his rest. In fact, we see throughout the scripture that God's word is the source for both our striving and for our rest. To use Psalms 119 verse 105, the word is a lamp to our feet. So as we strive to enter into the rest of God, as we try to walk the way that Jesus has gone before us, then the Word of God becomes the lamp for our feet. Because we see in Scripture that that way is a narrow way. That way is not an easy way. And so we need the Word of God to guide our feet as we walk the path. And so if we long to enter into His rest, which I think most of us probably want to enter into that more in 2022, than we experienced in 2021. If we want to do that, the Word of God becomes a huge tool for us. J.I. Packer says this, True Christians are people who acknowledge and live under the Word of God. They submit without reserve to the Word of God, written in the book of truth, believing the teaching, trusting the promises, in following the commands. I love that last line. True Christians believe the teaching, trust the promises, and follow the commands that we find in his word. Not perfectly, right? None of us do it perfectly, but we grow in it more and more and more as we walk more and more and more in Jesus. And so we need to be ever more deeply seeking to hear his word, ever more deeply seeking to trust in his word, ever more deeply letting his word shape the way that we see the world around us and the things that are happening around our own lives. 
We go to his word to shape our hopes and our ambitions and our goals for 2022. Because if those goals and ambitions are simply your goals and ambitions, then what hope do you actually have of seeing those fulfilled? But we want to be more conformed, more renewed, trusting in his spirit to stir us more and more and encourage us in his love, even convict us when we are sinning against him. And unlike our words, which are limited, his word is infinitely powerful. And if we want to come to that day when his kingdom is fully established, and we want to some measure, experience some measure of rest here, now, and in this life, it's helpful for us to understand why his word is so important. And so the author of Hebrews tells us that his word, first and foremost, is living. Now that means a lot in Scripture. And you may ask, well, what is his word? Is it, is it Jesus, who is the word of God? Is it the things that are written in the Scripture? Is it the things that he speaks through the prophets? The answer is yes. His word is all of those things. His word is living and active in a sense that it's Jesus himself, the Logos. The word was God. The word was with God is what John tells us. And he's with the Lord right now. And so in one sense, absolutely, that's Jesus. But it's even more deep than that. This is not the word of God that we hold in our hands. This Bible, this is not just some recording of history. But it is the one and only guiding light of our lives. Our words, they're not living, nor do they have the power to give life like his words do. So just, just think about this. How many times over the course of even the past few years have you looked to someone else's words to give you rest? Think, think back at the beginning of the pandemic, because right? everything was super clear then, right? Everybody knew exactly what was happening, and we trusted all the stuff that was happening around us when we turned on the news. But nonetheless, as it was growing, we would oftentimes look for rest to come from something that a medical professional would tell us or something from this expert, what they would tell us. And how much rest did we actually get from those words? Like it just created confusion and chaos, didn't it? Not only that, think, about, think, think back at the beginning of 2019. Remember 2019, the good old days? Like, actually, it was like the first three months of the good old days. Like, in January of 2019, there were some rumblings of some virus in, in, in China. And by March, we're shutting everything down. Like, when we were moving from 2018 to 2019, who had the hopes and the dreams of that? See, my whole point is this. is like, your and my words, like, they come out of our mouths, and they're... They're out of fashion within a minute. This is not true with God. See, God, his words don't change because he knows what's coming. He's already there. He's not learning anything. He's not surprised by anything. His word is living. It's there all the time. It's living and never changing. And it's anchored in his character as himself. And what he spoke 2,000 years ago was just as true, was just as life-giving to the people of the first century as it is to us. And frankly, if the Lord tarries, which I pray he doesn't, it will be just as life-giving 2,000 years from now. Isn't that amazing? 
It's because his word is living. It is not just recorded history on pages of a book. Do not ever come to believe or give way to the idea that his words are not relevant to you and me in this technological age. He has truth. And nothing, nothing could be more relevant than his word because nothing is more relevant than him in this world. I've found that as I've walked through life, as I've encountered new things, challenging things, joyous things, the Word of God has been like a living, breathing thing with me there all the time through it all. Like it's always present. Like there's always, He's speaking, and I can find Him in this anytime, no matter what's going on. Like that doesn't happen with the Iliad or the Odyssey. But with this, He's there always. And it's amazing. It is not stagnant like books are stagnant because it is not a book. It is a living revelation and word that he has given to us. But not only is his word living, it's also active. It always does what it is purposed to do. How many times have you wished you had the power to make sure that everything you spoke actually took place? Wouldn't that be nice? Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. It will do what he wants it to do. It will accomplish what he wants it to accomplish. So here's the thing. If you are struggling in fear and you need courage, you're not going to find it in yourself. You're not going to find it by simply pleading. You're going to find it by going to His Word, which is purposed to give you courage and strength, which is purposed to ease your fear. This is what we do. We run to His Word so we can see Him, so we can experience Him and His promises and His power and His might. And one of the great temptations of the enemy is that when hardships or temptations come to the people of God, we are tempted to pull away from His Word. Have you ever felt that? Like, it's, it's hard right now, and I don't, I don't feel like I can go to the Word. I, I, I sin today, and I don't feel like I can go to the Word. It's because in the Word, we find Him. And the enemy does not want that for any of us. What our souls need most is in his word. And it is active. It's like yeast going into dough. Right? Like It's active. It starts to do something to that dough. Even if you can't see it happening immediately, it is faithful. He is faithful in his word to begin to work in you and to move in you through his word as you put it into your life. You cannot put the word of God, which is active in your life, and not expect something to come away from it. Now, you may harden your heart, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, which is scary, but it may also stir you to obedience and stir you to deeper faith and encouragement and hope and all of those types of things as well. His word is the active agent that the Spirit uses in our lives, like yeast in a loaf of bread. It is the active agent that the Spirit uses 
in our lives. His word is also sharp. It pierces to the soul in a way that nothing else can. Our words can be sharp, can't they? But when our words are sharp, it causes damage. His word is sharp like a surgeon's scalpel that is able to cut into our lives and reveal in our lives the things we need the absolute most. I love David in the Psalms because David, uh, he, he expresses something that's very true about all of us, whether we want to admit it or not. He expresses he doesn't know himself. And he expresses that he can't trust himself. And so he says, Lord, examine me. And if there's any wicked way in me, help me see it. Like, reveal it to me. Because he sees, he doesn't see himself. He doesn't recognize all of those things in him. And so he's asking, Lord, do that for me. His word is able to do that. And David, just like we should know, recognizes he doesn't fully understand himself. He's blind to his need. And and God's word, just like a lamp, shines light upon our real needs and our real brokenness and the lies that we believe about ourselves, about God, about our circumstances, and about others. His word is sharp, and it is effective, and it is useful always. Always. It's living, it's active, it's sharp. I'm going to read this text of Scripture. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Can a movie do that? Can sleep do that? Can CNN do that? Or Taylor Swift? Or the constant drivel on Facebook and Twitter? Like, like, can any of those things or any of those things actually trustworthy and profitable for teaching or for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness so that we as the men and women of God might be complete and equipped for every good work? Why in the world do we spend so much time listening to those voices and neglect this one? Like, this is a question. Like, can it do that? Can Oprah do any of these things? Like talk shows and all these things, they promise to, to be voices of reason in our lives, and none of them can do it because none of their words are sharp. None of their words can get through all the masks and all of the lies and all the deception, but his can. And the last one I want to point out, while it's not in Hebrews, I think is absolutely important, is this, that his word also stirs. It's stirring. So it's living, it's active, it's sharp, and it also is stirring to our hearts. Specifically regarding faith, look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Now most people will hear this thing in this text and say, well, this has to do with the gospel and salvation, and absolutely it has to do with the gospel, and absolutely it has to do with salvation. But is it not true that we want our faith to grow? So let me just ask the question. Did you, do you want your faith that you have right now to be exactly the same 20 years from now? Or do you want it to be deeper? Do you want your trust to be more, you want to have more trust in Christ? Do you want to look to him with more hope and more trust and and believe him more in his promises? So those of you who have been walking with the Lord for years and years, is your faith deeper now than it was 20 years ago? 
Yeah, I hope so. And one of the ways that happens is by hearing what's in the Word of God. Because it begins to help us see the world around us. So let me give you an example. So I talked about Joshua. And as Joshua was about to take the people of Israel into the promised land, they looked at all of the different people that were there and all of the enemies that were in the promised land and all of the challenges, and they felt the weight and the fear and the anxiety that came. And God spoke to Joshua and, and said, Be courageous, be strong and courageous, for I am with you. Be strong and courageous, for I am with you. And what happened is, is then the people of Israel, they, they heard that by the leadership of Joshua, and they began to go into the land of Canaan, and slowly they began to take over piece after piece and win battle after battle, while at the same time they struggled with their own failures. Now, here, here's my point. Now, if you are somebody who right now is looking in your own life and you're like, man, God, why aren't you removing the enemies? Why aren't you removing the obstacles? I've asked you to remove the obstacles and I've asked you to remove this person or this challenge in my own life and you're not answering my call and you're not answering my prayer. Why aren't you doing that? And then you come across this type of text in Scripture, you see that God doesn't always remove our enemies and obstacles immediately. In fact, when he leaves them there, they're there for a reason. And if you read through the book of Joshua, you'll find out that the reason God didn't just kill and destroy all of the enemies of God's people was because he wanted them to stay there to take care of the land so that as they came into the land, it wouldn't be run over by beasts and thistles. And so we then can have our trust in God say, oh, it's not that you're not hearing me. It's that you don't want to remove these things yet. It's that you have a purpose in these things. Or, or maybe you're failing and you're struggling with sin in your life and you say, God, are you going to forsake me and you're going to leave me? Well, I'd love to turn to the scriptures and see how God treated David when he murdered Uriah after he raped Bathsheba. And how did God respond to David? In the midst of his failure, in the midst of his sin, and that encourages and deepens my faith that he's not going to forsake me no, but if I'm faithful to, to, to confess, he's faithful to forgive my sins. See, we need the word of God to stir our faith, to deepen our faith. And if you stay away from it, how is your faith going to grow? How is it going to deepen? The Spirit of God works in his people, primarily through the word, as he deepens our faith. I love what Kevin Van Huser says to illustrate this. He says, Scripture is a lighthouse. It's not the ultimate source of the light, but the house through which the Spirit makes shine upon our hearts the light of Jesus, the knowledge of the God who is light. I love that picture. Scripture's like our lighthouse. Church, if we as the people of God stop paying attention to the lighthouse, what's going to happen to your life? It's going to find itself dashed upon the rocks is what's going to happen. You're going to find yourself in more anxiety and more doubts, falling into more fear, restlessness, danger, pain, difficulty. You're going to be finding yourself walking down paths of strife and hate and ultimately death because this is the lamp to our feet. This is the lighthouse to keep us from running into the rocks and being dashed upon them. We have to be a people of the word in 2022. If we want to enter into his rest, you're not going to do that apart from his word. 
You just won't. This rest is so important. It's so important so we don't fall into disobedience. And our danger for this potential fall into disobedience is the same as it was for the people that the author of Hebrews was writing to. So I want to warn us of some dangers for each of us. And these are universal challenges. They're universal dangers in our lives as we want to strive for rest. They're universal challenges because they're ones that every single one of us have, and we cannot minimize that. Because if we're unaware of what the enemy would do to tempt us and to to challenge us, then we might find ourselves falling into disobedience. So there's four that I want to cover. And I hope you remember each of them. I actually started each of them with the letter A, so that'll help you. First one is this, the challenge of authority. None of us have a problem with authority, right? None of us have a problem with government mandates. Like, like, I'm not trying to be political, but one of the things I find with like the vaccine that really bothers people more than anything is being told to take the vaccine. Like, and that's it. Like, that's okay. Like, we're Americans, right? People don't tell us what to do. But we need to be aware that that's a challenge when we come to the Scriptures. Not only is that a challenge for us when we come to the Scriptures, it's a challenge in our very unnature, in our very nature, because we live in a day and an age where no one wants to have someone have authority over them. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. But here's the thing. God has authority over us whether we want to acknowledge it or not. If you don't believe his word, it doesn't change its authority over you. Authority is there because it's there. You can ignore it. You can push against it all we want. The fact of the matter is, his authority, his reign, his government, his rule is present regardless. So many people within the church, we... We want the salvation benefits of Jesus without the authority of Jesus. We want to come to Jesus and say, "Oh, I, I, I want you to take care of the consequences of my really bad sins and keep me safe and keep me feeling good about my eternal state so that I don't have to go to hell. But as for all these other areas of my life, I'm keeping those. Stay away. I stay away from that. I want the benefits of salvation, but I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want you to tell me where to go. I don't want you to tell me how to spend my money. I don't want you to tell me what I should watch. I don't want you to tell me what I should listen to. I don't want you to tell me how I should treat people. I don't want you to tell me how to engage conflict within the body of Christ. I want to do all that on my own and still go to heaven. Church, this this is a lie and a deception of the enemy that is all over the place. You cannot have Jesus as Savior without having Jesus as your Lord. That is just the reality of it. You cannot seek his benefits without also giving him ownership of your life and your soul and your purpose and your money and your direction, even your personality. Like even as Christians, we, we lose the right to say, well, that's just how I am. That's the point. Jesus is trying to conform you away from who you are to look like him. Like That should just not even be in the church, but yet we want to hold these things to ourselves, right? And say, no, that's just just my personality. I can be a jerk because that's my personality. 
No, no. Jesus died to save you from being a jerk and then also change you from being a jerk to being Jesus. Like, like we, are, we are under the authority of God. We are under the authority of Jesus, and he's calling us to live in that. A.W. Tozer said this. He said that all self has to be laid before him. All self. Your self-love, your self-confidence, your self-righteousness, your self-admiration, even your self-pity, they must all be placed underneath his authority. And this is a challenge for us, isn't it? I cannot tell you how many times I have felt the press of going like, I don't want you to tell me what to do in this area of my life. This is a challenge for every single person in this room. Me, my wife, my kids, you, every one of us, don't, by our nature, we don't want to listen to what God wants to tell us what to do. And yet, the Word of God is there to correct, to convict, to reprove, yes to encourage, yes to give hope, but also to do those other things. And rest will never be found for us as his people if we refuse the authority of his word or we pick and choose what it is we'll let him tell us what to do. What we will simply find ourselves as doing is slipping into more and more disobedience. So not only do we struggle with the challenge of authority, we also struggle with the challenge of apathy. We can be tempted to simply be apathetic to the things of God. We can be very diligent and zealous for the things of this world, can't we? I mean, when we want to learn about Bitcoin and how we can invest in Bitcoin and make a million dollars making Bitcoin, like, man, we're going to study and learn. We're going to be diligent and zealous to engage that. We're going to be diligent and zealous to learn about the sports team that we care about. We're going to be diligent, diligent and zealous to learn about the political system over here and this politician and this issue that's going on and vaccines and, and COVID. And, man, we're going to spend all of our time being diligent and zealous about these things while we are apathetic to the things of God. Church, where will we find our rest in this in 2022? Where will we find our rest in this? I think so many of us just live with the mantra of like, well, I have salvation, so who cares? Who cares if I watch that? I have salvation. Who cares if I listen? Who cares if I spend my money the way I went? Who cares if I don't care about the lost? Who cares if I don't care about the homeless? Who cares if I don't care about the orphan? It doesn't matter. I have salvation. Who cares? Jesus cares. Because Jesus wants all of us. And he wants all of us to pursue him and his kingdom with zeal and diligence, not with apathy. To shrug our shoulders at the word of God and just say, who cares? It's not that important. I'm not much of a reader. That is a horrible excuse. And brothers and sisters, it will end up in your demise. It will end up in our demise. Jesus tells us in Matthew that in the end, the love of many is going to grow cold and we will become lukewarm. Don't let apathy turn your faith and your love cold in 2022. Stoke the fire, fan the flames, and the word of God and the spirit of God through his word will do that. It will stoke that fire. The third challenge for us is attention. 
I'm going to simply quote Jesus' warning regarding the seeds of God's word going out and landing into the, to the soil of our souls. Mark chapter 4, verse 19. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Do, you, do anybody, and does anybody in this room want that to be their story? Let me ask this question. Is there anybody above you in the danger of this warning? Who else besides us, with all of our wealth, all of our comforts, all of our media and phones and iPads and computers and all of our technology and Google and everything else that's there, who above us is in danger of caring more about the cares of this world and losing our attention upon the things of God. But just think about it. Who? Are the people in Africa or India in more danger of falling into this trap? Are, are the people of, of Haiti or Latin America in more danger of falling into this trap? Like, who's in more danger of this trap than us? The richer? Who's richer than us? Who has more of the world than us? And listen, I'm not saying get rid of all that stuff. That stuff's fine and it's okay as long as it's underneath the lordship of Jesus. I'm just giving you the warning that Jesus gives us because the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things will enter into our lives and choke out the word of God if we don't know this is a danger if we aren't watchful and prayerful against these things and repentant of them when we find out that they're happening. We are so full of angst partly because we have our eyes so fixed on this world. Let me say that again. We are so full of angst partly because we have our eyes so fixed upon this world. So these are the challenges, authority, apathy, attention, and then finally, action. Will we listen to his word? Will we do his word? Or will we only hear it and then walk away and forget it? Psalms 95 gives us another warning. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. You will say, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Listen, church, there will be a day if you are continually confronted with the word of God, and you continually harden your heart, to obedience to the word of God and you don't allow it to renew your mind and to shape your life and to be conformed to Jesus and to be convicted of your sins and to get around the fellowship of believers to love you and care for you as you pursue Jesus and you continually harden your hearts over and over and over again, you will find the wrath of God. That's not me. That's what this says. It says we will not enter his rest. So if you want to enter into the rest of God, we must be faithful to hear what he says and do what he says. Not to justify our actions. If Jesus says, 
don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk with wine. Like, it's pretty black and white, isn't it? If Jesus says, understand the days in which you live, be sober and watch and pray, then we probably should be sober and watch and pray. And that doesn't mean drunkenness. That means sober like take it serious. Take it real. Understand the day you which you is. Stop being silly about the days you live in. So if the Word of God tells us to do that, you're not going to find rest if you waste away your life in the silliness of video games and movies and entertainment. God says be sober, watchful, and prayer. And he's not saying this to ruin you. He's saying this to lead you to life, not to take good things from you. And we won't enter into the rest of God if we ignore these things. So here's my challenge. Will this year you and your family strive with me to enter into his rest? Specifically, will you join me in the reading of God's word all the way through from Genesis to Revelation in 2022. Will you you join me in that? Understanding what, what the value of his word is, understanding the challenges of our own lives and pushing against those within the fellowship of, of other believers in Jesus Christ, will you step in and take that challenge? You know, let me, let me just put this into a little bit of perspective because if you look at this book and go, wow, that would be the longest book I've read in 20 years, I understand. The average person can read to, through this God's word in 74 hours and 28 minutes. I don't know how they came up with that number. It's the average person, right? Whatever. Let's just say that that's true. That the average person can read this entire book from Genesis to Revelation in 74 hours and 28 minutes. That seems like a lot. You know what that means? 12 minutes a day. 12 minutes a day. 15 if you miss a day here and there. Can we give 15 minutes? minutes to the Word of God every single day? Based on what I have read this morning, what I've shared this morning, if we do that, and we don't just read it like a book, but we add maybe another five minutes a day and pray and meditate and ask the Lord to work in our lives and to take those things and and change us and move us, I guarantee you, you will be a different person in 2023 than you are at the beginning of 2022. Not because I have any power to do anything, but because the Spirit of God will accomplish His purposes in His Word. 20 minutes a day. That's it. Will you do it? Will you join me in doing it? And let me just say, 20 minutes a day, that's not going to be the easiest thing in the world, especially when you've got kids and life and a ton of things going on. So here's what I want to specifically ask you to step into. In this 20 minutes a day, we have provided a set of resources for you. So out at Info Central, you can pick up right after the service this sheet. And on this sheet, it's got a reading plan. And this is Robert Machen Murray's reading plan. It's an old guy from years and years ago that put together a Bible reading plan from Genesis to Revelation for the whole year. And with that reading plan, at the bottom of this sheet, there's also a little QR code that you can scan that takes you to a free PDF download of D.A. Carson's For the Love of God, which is like a compatible, it's like a a reading, it's not a devotion and it's not a commentary, it's somewhere in between. So if 
The Word seems intimidating. It's a great resource to go along with it every single day because He'll just kind of tell you what this, what's going on in this text. And on this, it tells you the date. So January 1st, and then there's two things. There's a family reading and a secret reading. And that's very intentional, and here's why. If you're a single person, you just read both readings on your own in the quietness of your own quiet time with the Lord. But if you're married you've got kids, then the desire would be is that you grow as a family in reading the Word of God. And so each day, there's a family reading. So January 1st, which was yesterday, so you're already behind, but that's okay, right? You would gather together as a family, and you would read Genesis chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. So you would want to do that as a family. So my hope is to gather together with my family. Um, probably dinner time is probably the best time for us. We haven't talked about what's best for us, but to read Genesis chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1. But in my own personal quiet time, read the secret reading, which is Ezra chapter 1 and Acts chapter 1. So when I get up in the morning and I read through the Bible, I'm going to read Ezra chapter 1 and Acts chapter 1. And you know what's going to be awesome? I'm going to be reading the same scripture that Ethan and Samantha and my wife are reading. I'm going to be reading the same scripture that you're reading. And so we can talk about those things and we can encourage one another about those things. So I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to step into this this year because the Word of God is the best thing that we could step into in 2022. And maybe you've already got your own reading plan. That's awesome. I'm not trying to mess that up. You can stay faithful to that. But if you want to join with a whole bunch of other believers and read the same thing every single day, love to join. That would be so awesome. Because we're going to bring this up over and over again. And you're going to notice this only has January and February's on it. Because we're not going to lay it down. Which means every month you're going to have to come and pick up a new a new reading, a new part of the plan every other month. So we want to be faithful to this. Can we be committed to that, church? Do you believe in the power of God's word? Do you want to be conformed? Do you want to enter into his rest in 2022? If you do, great place to start. Great place to start. January 30th, Myself and we, we're going to start teaching a class on how to study the scriptures. So if you want to go into more depth, it's going to be right after our services. And so maybe you're a part of another gospel life class and you want to take a little season away from that class to come and learn what it is to study the scriptures and how you can practice that. We want to encourage you to do that. We'll be giving you more information about that in the coming weeks. Probably be eight weeks, give or take. We're going to come and sit down and we're going to talk about how to study the Word of God so you can learn how to engage it yourself. You don't need me or any of those things. We're not trying to give you a seminary degree or anything like that, but just so that you can read and, and learn and grow and hear the voice of God. So maybe that's another way you can step into it. I want to challenge you to be in the Word of God because I believe the Word of God is the most transforming, powerful thing any of us can engage because the word of God is God and in his presence he can change and he can, he can work in all things we want to do this together because his word is living and it is active it is sharp and it stirs our faith we love you as the church and we want to challenge you to this because there truly is nothing more life giving than his word 
And anybody who knows has been in it knows that. It is the lighthouse for the light of his spirit and his person and his presence. And if you are struggling in your faith, don't give up in 2022. Let his word be the light to your doubts. Listen, doubts are, you should be able to bring your doubts to the church and to his word, not run from the church and from his word with your doubts. But you'll find truth there. Let his word increase your faith. If you're struggling with fear, let his word grant you courage. Maybe even purpose. If you're struggling with lack of purpose, let his word guide you to understand who you are in Christ. May he be present and speak through his word in all aspects of your life. Listen, church, if you're struggling with prayer, pray his word. His word is a source for us all. It's a source for us all. Let me pray. Fathers, we close our time. I know oftentimes we come to a time together, a sermon, and we want to hear something that changes our view of who you are or our view of who we are or gives us some sort of application in our lives. But as we enter into 2022, I truly believe there is nothing more dangerous to the enemy. Nothing that can transform our world more than a people who are consistently in and submitted to your word by your spirit. Nothing. I believe your word is profitable for all of those things that Timothy says, for teaching and reproof and rebuke. I believe that your word will accomplish all of the purposes that you set before it. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us as your people to step into this challenge and to be faithful. And Lord, I pray that you would do mighty and miraculous things in the lives of your people as a result. I pray that you would help us to find rest. We have no idea what 2023 holds, but we know the one who holds 2023. We have no idea what challenges will face us, what sicknesses will come, what joys will come, but we know the one who can give us rest in the midst of every circumstance. So Lord, I pray that you would help us as your people to find rest in you through your word and your spirit this year. Lord, please help us. Protect us from the enemy. I pray, Father, that you would protect us from our apathy. Father, would we, even in the next few moments as we turn to communion, if we've been apathetic, if we've been hearers of your word but not doers, if we have been distracted by the cares of this world, if we have not been willing to submit to the authority of your word, Lord, may we repent this morning. I pray, Father, that you would help us to repent. I pray, Father, that we would confess it to you, even as we enter into a time of communion, and we would lay it down before you, and that we would start new, 
fully assured of the grace and the mercy, the promises that if we can confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins. Father, I just pray that you would do this work in us.